All right, so let's pray. Uh, Father, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for um, just being good to us, Lord. Uh, I thank you for uh, a week like we have coming up where uh, we as a nation collectively uh, take time to just be grateful. And so, uh, Lord, I am grateful for the family that I have. I'm grateful for the people that you've put in my life and uh, the ministry here at HBF. But, uh, Lord, I pray that we as a nation would be grateful to you uh, for what you've done. And so, uh, Lord, I pray that um, you would use us this week uh, even as... Uh, ministers to our family as times um, we all have not all maybe but a lot of us have family who uh, are don't know you uh, who uh, have ill will towards you or just don't understand and so I pray you would use us uh, as ministers of the gospel even this week to um, not shove the gospel in their face but just to live the gospel out in front of them uh, Lord and to speak when you call us to speak and so I do pray that uh, we would be sensitive to the spirit um, that we would uh, take time and enjoy uh, our family and our friends and uh, that you would just uh, get the glory for all those things I praise you for a good report from uh, the large team that went to Monmouth and the, the good conference they had there keeping everybody safe uh, as they traveled there and back. Uh, Lord, we also uh, just do pray for uh, the travel logistics of the, the guys going to Oaxaca. Uh, Lord, I pray that they're a blessing to Joe and Amy, uh, that they would get uh, the work done that uh, you've called them to do, uh, that it would be a life-changing experience for them uh, personally, uh, just drawing them closer to, to your will and missions and, and those things. So, Lord, we do uh, praise you for being a part of a church that uh, is about the work not only here, uh, but uh, at the other most parts of the world. And, uh, Lord, I do pray that you would speak to us today. Uh, as we uh, just kind of continue on in this uh, chapter in 1 Corinthians, that uh, you would challenge us with some things that uh, maybe we need to evaluate in our own lives uh, and that we would just be uh, edified to go out and really uh, be emboldened to uh, be more like you in all areas of our life. So I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so if you got your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to pick back up where we were. <clears throat> Something I didn't say. Um, but I'm really contemplating doing so. First uh, Corinthians chapter ten, and uh, let me get to where we're at. Uh, we're going to uh, get down through verse 22 today. Now, a lot of this we've already covered, so we're going to pick back up kind of where we were and get through 22. And then I, I think next week I'm going to wrap up First Corinthians uh, chapter ten, as long as y'all don't ask too many questions and we don't have to push it off for a week. Uh, but I. I I say that tongue-in-cheek because I always, for some reason, go long. Um, but I think in, in December, uh, obviously you know that uh, Christmas is on a Sunday this year. If you didn't know, it's pretty easy to read the calendar, and it's on a Sunday this year. We still do have church that day, uh, but it won't be like normal. We won't have ABFs that day. It'll be a shortened service. Uh, usually Brian doesn't put an end time on when church will be over, but he did that day. You know, it's so... Uh, it, it's it's an in and out you know family type service so uh, that'll be a good time. We're actually not having a Christmas Eve service this year. Uh, I, may, I should have announced that earlier, uh, just because instead of being here on Saturday night and then back on Sunday morning, he just decided to table that this year. But anyway, I say all that to say I've never really done, at least I don't think I have, um, like a Christmas type series uh, in Passpoint, and so that'll give me three weeks in December. And I'm thinking about uh, doing a non typical type of so anybody can like 
teach the Christmas story. Like, it's really not that hard. But I want to look into some of the things that kind of go into that and some of the things that we do at Christmas time and making sure that we're on track with that. And so I'm not completely settled on that in my heart, but I think that I may step away from 1 Corinthians through the month of December uh, just to, to do something like that. Um, if you're like me, it's like Christmas doesn't really... It, it, it can't start in my brain until after Thanksgiving because there's so much else going on. My daughter's playing Christmas music all week, and I'm like, Hallie, you're, like, breaking the Christmas code. Like, it's got to wait till after Thanksgiving. And she's totally anti that. But uh, anyway, Paige is smiling because, you know, they were, she, they were all in it. It was so funny because she was so upset that she was not going to play any Christmas music. And then it snowed. <laughs> like, Christmas is here! So... Anyway, it's like I, I need to get past Thanksgiving, but, uh, you know, once we get into December, it really is that time of year. Uh, and so we can either take that one of two ways. We can be uh, all Christmas out with the gifts and the busyness of life and just get bogged down with it. Uh, or we can take a little bit of time and remember why we do what we do uh, at Christmas time and the blessing that comes with it. And so I want to take just a little bit of time maybe and kind of focus on that because it's really easy to get caught up in the other part of it and it just become a stress fest instead of something that's good. And so uh, anyway, so with that, I just want to throw that out there. I'm not completely set on that, so we may keep going, but I think that's kind of what God is pushing me towards. And so uh, anyway, so with all that, let's get into 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 has kind of been a... a turning point uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians. It was, you know, a, a rebuke letter for some of the things they had going on. And there's still uh, going to be hints of that throughout, like, hey, you guys still need to make sure you're uh, on. But then he answers some questions, and he gets to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it's kind of a turning point. He, he starts to use uh, an analogy, and he's like, okay, so these are the things that you've done that I've called you out on. Uh, these are some, I've answered some of your questions, and now let me use an example of the nation of Israel for you to learn from, because sometimes we need to learn from the things that we've seen. And that's what we looked at for the last two weeks. Go back and listen to it online if, if you need to do that. But uh, then we get to, you know, this this portion where he, so he uses the nation of Israel as an example. It, but then he challenges you. And a lot of people don't see that. He says, did you learn anything? But then he kind of challenges you and you don't see it. Uh, and we really need to take those kinds of things in the Bible seriously. When when somebody like the Apostle Paul or even Jesus uh, with the nation of Israel, because he wasn't speaking directly to the church at the time, uh, but, you know, when Paul, like, challenges you with something, you should really take it and, and apply it to your life. And, you know, that's something that when I especially read through the New Testament, we you really need to be serious about when the Bible's calling you to do something that you act, that you don't just think, oh, that's for somebody else. That's not meant for me. And so uh, I, I just have two basic questions today uh, for you to kind of think on, to meditate on, to ponder on, whatever you would call it uh, in your life as, as we kind of go through this. And so First Corinthians chapter 10, he used the nation of Israel as an example. And he's like, hey, do you remember all the things that God did for these people? Like, you know, he provided uh, water out of the rock. He parted the Red Sea. He had manna from heaven. You know, he uh, there was the pillar of cloud by night and uh, the, the cloud by day. And, you know, pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. All the different things that he did. And he, he went through every one of those. In the last two weeks, we actually went and saw those verses and, and all the things that God did. Uh, and then... He kind of wrapped it up, and then I, if, if you can imagine this, I was out of time, and so I was really pushing through the last portion of this, and I didn't really get the point across. And so all of that happens. All of this happens, and let's pick up in verse, oh, I don't know, um, 11. So he used all of that example, and I'm not going to go back and read it, but he used all of those examples, and then in verse 11 he says, Now all these things happened unto them. 
them would be the nation of Israel uh, in the Old Testament. All these things would be the miracles that God provided, the way that he continually provided for them over and over again. Now, all of these things happened unto them for in samples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. What he's saying is the entire Old Testament isn't just there for a history book. It's not just there for us to be like, oh yeah, that happened. If we don't learn from the things that have happened in history, even as a, a nation, but you know, as as God's people as well, then we're going to make the same mistakes. It's just bound to happen, right? And so he says all of these things happened so that we would learn something. Verse twelve: Wherefore let him thinketh, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now that's a warning, right? And a lot of times we read that and we're like, oh yeah, well I'm not. It says, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Wherefore, the guy that thinks he understands these things, oh yeah, I know that, yeah, yeah, I know that, yeah, I was taught that, yeah, I know that. You need to take heed because, yeah, I know, is going to make you trip. It's going to make you fall. If you're not learning from these things, there hath no, verse 13, temptation taken you such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will, uh, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, free from idolatry, I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. He basically wraps this whole section up with, I said what I said, like it or not, right? And that's, that's how he kind of wraps it up. And so the, the first question that I have uh, for you to just kind of think on, because this, this comes up a lot of times in the Bible. And this is a topic a lot of people are like, they tiptoe around. And uh, just I want you to kind of think about this. And a lot of you have probably studied this out and you understand this. But just kind of think on this question. Why does God allow temptation in our lives? Why does God allow temptation? If, if God wants the best for us, right, we believe that. If God is uh, taking care of us, he's providing for us, all these different things, then why would he allow temptation? Why wouldn't he just remove those things from our life? Right? If he knows that, you know, this is going to maybe make us trip, wouldn't he just take that out of our life? Why, why would he allow those things? Right? Um, you know, in, in James 1 2, let me flip over there. James talks a lot about this. I'll just read it to you. Uh, James 1 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into uh, diverse temptations. This is the second verse of the book. <laughs> like, there is no intro. He's like, hey, count it joy when you fall into temptation. Uh, that makes me think that there's probably something going on in these people's life, right? Uh, count it all joy when you fall into temptation. He goes on to say in verse 12 to 14 of this same chapter, James chapter 1, verse 12 to 14, he says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, for the Lord hath, uh, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Something we need to understand is God is not the author of temptation, but he does allow it. Right? We understand that the author of temptation is who? It is, is the adversary in our life. It is the devil. We understand that he is the little G God of this world. Now, does that mean that God has never tempted somebody? Uh, no. We understand with Abraham. What does it say with Abraham uh, in Genesis chapter uh, 18, I think? Uh, and God did tempt Abraham, right? And what did he do? He basically says, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son, Isaac. Why did he do that, though? Was it to hope that he tripped? No, it was to prove his faith. 
over and over again with Job. You know, the Satan comes to, to God uh, going to and fro. There's a lot to be learned there. But anyway, he's going to and fro. Uh, and he says, uh, you know, what, what about Job? God says, what about Job? And Job's probably thinking, well, why'd you bring me up? Why'd you get me into this mess? But why'd you, what, did you have to say this, you know? And, you know, God's like, have you considered my servant Job? He's upright in everything that he does. God doesn't tempt him, but he allows it to happen. Why does God allow these things to happen in our life? Why wouldn't he just, you know, provide the way? Well, he does provide the way, but he, he allows us to go through some things, right? Uh, Jesus himself was tempted of the adversary, you know? He didn't eat nothing for 40 days. And when Satan comes to him and he says, man, you can have the entire world if you'll just bow down to me. And at the time, you have to remember, we, we think that and we're like, why would Jesus do that? He was God. Well, at the time, he bore the infirmities that we go through. He had skin on just like we do. He felt all the things that we felt. He was hungry. He was tired, uh, probably irritable at times. He was, uh, you know, he felt pain, all of the things that go with it. Obviously, Jesus uh, being God, no, he's not going to, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll bow down to you if you'll just. But you got to think he was going through the same things that we went through, but yet he didn't. Stumble. He didn't fall. Why does God allow us? Jesus went through them. God Himself put Him put it, put His Son through these things. Why? To show us that there's a way that you don't have to fall into it. The simple answer to the question: Why does God allow temptation in our lives? Because I'm not just going to give you the answer to the question. I mean, I've got some questions that apply more to you. The answer to the question, though, is to see where we really put our faith. Why does God allow these things to happen? He wants to see. And let me just be clear with you. God knows. He wants you to see where you really are putting your faith. God knows if, hey, when Jason is tempted, is he going to stumble or come through? He knows. He allows these things to happen so that I can know, am I really ready or not? And the answer is usually not yet. But what do we do? We grow from those things. But he allows these things to happen. Why does he allow temptation? Why did he allow temptation in Job's life? Uh, well, there's a big picture. There's a lot bigger picture there in Job. Uh, but to allow Job to see that I, I will be faithful through it all. Even when my, even when my wife says, curse God and die. And he's like, hun, uh, it, why would we follow God when things are good and not follow God when things are bad? She just didn't, she didn't get it, but that's okay. Uh, there's times that I don't get it. I'm just saying. The hardest thing, when I look at the story of Job, the hardest thing of the entire story for me, uh, is not the, the tragic things that happen one after another after another. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's terrible to see his kids die, all of his possessions go, everything else. And I'm not saying that, uh, my wife saying curse God and die would be worth, worse than my kids dying. You have no control over some of those kinds of things. But, the, the hardest thing of that story to me would be seeing like the living turn away from God, like to see my wife turn away or to that would be the hardest thing. Now, I'm not saying that it's worse than, you know, if your kids were to die or anything else. I'm just saying we have a choice. Sometimes we don't have a choice. in. sometimes we just have to accept what God is doing in the world or in our even in our lives. But we have a choice with certain things. So anyway, he allows temptation so we can see where we really put our faith. And why are we even talking about this? Because there's this one verse after all these things. He uses these examples of what Israel did. And then he says, be careful that you think that you got this. Because that's how we say it in today's you know lingo. That's what the kids say. I got this, right? That's probably not what the kids say. 
<laughs> bet. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're behind. Yeah. We used to say, uh, I heard you wouldn't, right? Call, I'll just call you out on it. I heard you wouldn't, right? It's basically step up. Or, or whatever. But anyway, it's like, what, why are we talking about this though? Because he says, you better be careful if you think you've got this figured out because you're just as liable to fall as anybody else. And then he goes right into saying, there is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. There's nothing that you're going through that somebody else hasn't already been through. There's nothing that you're going to feel that God didn't feel himself. It's common to man. How you react to it, that's on you. It says, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted, above that you be able. But with the temptation, always also make a way to escape. you got a way to bear it. So here's some sub-questions, and this is where you get to like do some pondering with, with this thing. Because we understand God will allow these things to happen, right? I don't think anybody in here is going to be like, well, since I've been saved, there really hasn't been anything. Like, it, It's like, it's really been great. Uh, and I'm not saying that the Christian walk is bad by any means. Uh, I would never turn away. But I'm also going to say that uh, it hasn't all been rainbows and unicorns uh, or anything, anything else that goes along with that, right? Uh, it, so it, for, for the most part, it's like, how has it been? There, there's always struggles in life. There's always things. And so here's some things that you need to ask yourself. And uh, this kind of drills in on what God is doing in your life with this is, what temptation is God allowing in your life today? And it may be something big. It may be something very small. Right? It may just be, uh, you know, a, a small battle with the flesh over whatever, right? It may be a, a large sin issue. It may be, uh, something that you have no control over, but you feel like you should be able to control or, or whatever it is. And what is it that God is allowing you to go through right now? Right? And just kind of think through that. And there may be lots of things. I don't know. There's been times in my life where it'd be like, could I just have one? Right? Uh, or, or whatever. But also understand, what does it say? That he's not going to allow you to, to, he's not going to suffer you to be tempted that which, uh, above what you are able. And you might be like, I feel like it's above what I'm able. Well, that's not what he says. But with the temptation, we'll make a way to escape that you may be able to bear. So the question is, what is God allowing you, what, what temptation is God allowing in your life today? It may be self-inflicted. It may not be self-inflicted, whatever it is. And then ask yourself this, because this is where it really boils down to you have a choice. The funny thing about the Bible is it always brings it back to you have a choice. Um, God will get you through anything, but you still have to decide to do it, right? You still have to be a part of it. Are you trusting God to get you through, or are you taking matters in your own hands? If God is allowing you to go through something, whether it be small, large, whatever else, the question that you really need to like pinpoint in your life Whatever it is. And sometimes you start to really think about these things and you're like, well, maybe it's part of something bigger. Maybe it's something, well, that's why, that's why we do these things. So you can really evaluate. Are you trusting God to get you through or are you taking matters in your own hands? Because that is what people like me, and I don't know if you're like me, but when things start to go awry, I really like to start to control and manipulate, I can't talk, the circumstances. Uh, I try to control what I can control. I try to take things in my own hands. Okay, so if we've got a financial problem, I'll work more. Uh, if we've got a problem in this area, I can do this. I can do that. I can. And instead of just saying, wait a minute, God says he's not going to allow whatever it is uh, that's going on, he's not going to provide a way. 
Instead, I'm always just like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Wait a minute. Didn't it say that the God's going to do it? That, that he is the author? First Thessalonians 5.24 Thessalonians says what? Anybody, right off the top of your head. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God will not call you to something that he's not willing to bring you through. It won't happen. You might be like, you don't understand. I, I don't understand your situation. But I've seen some things. Not just in my life, but in other people's lives. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. The question you have to ask yourself is, did God call me to this? Sometimes we get ourselves in a really thick debacle and we're like, oh, God says he's going to get me through it. We have to make sure that God brought you here. You know, if it's some sort of weird sin issue, um, God has a way out, but sometimes it's you getting out of it first, like you laying it down or whatever it is. So be careful to always just think, well, God says he's going to get me through it. Did God call you to it? Because the verse says, faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. It doesn't say, you know, faithful is he that's going to help you get through anything. Sometimes he will let you fall completely on your face. Why? Because it was your choice. It's kind of like raising kids. When they're, when they're young, you know, we, we like hold their hand when they walk. We don't want them to fall. But what happens? Eventually you have to like let go and, and see what happens. You're teaching your kids how to ride a bike, right? And, and you're figuring this thing out. And at some point you like take the training wheels off and it's like, okay, I'm going to hold on as long as I can. But at some point, like, you're pedaling too fast and I don't move that fast anymore. So at some point, you have to let go, knowing that what's probably going to happen. It's going to be really good until it's not anymore. Like, that's generally how that goes. And so you have to, at some point, be willing to say, okay, if, if this is how you learn. Now, fast forward till they get a little bit older and they start making decisions on their own and things like that. And I'm not even talking about the teenage years yet, but I'm just saying at some point you have to allow some freedom so that they can learn that my choices have consequences, not not only bad consequences, sometimes good consequences. A consequence is just a reaction, right? It's just a, a byproduct of what has happened. Then you get into teenage years and then it's like now I'm really having to start getting hands off because why because if you're too much hands-on then you're you know helicopter parenting and that just drives them away even farther so what i'm saying is throughout life you have to continue to let go let go let go because there's a time that they're going to leave and is it going to be on good terms or bad god allows us to do the same thing when you're a baby Christian, he's not probably going to let you just go dive into some egregious sin for the most part. He's going to protect you from that. But as you grow, he's going to give you more leeway. Why? Because you know better, right? To whom much is given, much is required. We understand those things. And so he's not going to tempt you over what he thinks you're able. But if he's called you to it, he will get you through it. Every time. Hey. You just need to make sure that you're called to whatever it is. And so that's, you know, as, as we go through that, I just want to kind of clarify that because there's, we could spend a lot of time talking about temptation and the different ways and really, really we could spend a couple weeks here. But for the most part, we need to understand, uh, God isn't here to tempt us to trip us up. He's here, uh, to allow things to come in your life so that you can decide, am I really as faithful as I think I am? Because sometimes we think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We think, I've been safe for a while, I've got this figured out. And then what happens? You know, I, let me just be completely honest with you. Some of the men that uh, in in my life that I knew that I was close to, and I don't just—I mean, several—that I would have thought no way ever would this person trip up, and they're just gone. 
just completely gone. And so what I'm saying is, if you think, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be that way, uh, I'm never going to think, I, I say that. I try my best to never think that. Because men that I think were, were stronger Christians, knew more about the Bible, were, were more in their faith, it happened to them. So take heed lest you fall. That's what I'm saying. Because the adversary is a punk. And he's just waiting to trip you up. The adversary knows your favorite flavor of sin. So you need to be, you need to know what your favorite flavor of sin is so you know how to guard from it. I'm just saying. Yeah, you need to understand. So, okay. The second question, he goes on. So let me just read through this. So he says all these things and he says, I speak unto wise men, judge ye what I say. So he's like, I told you, what are you going to do with it? And then he goes on and he kind of gets into this little section here and this won't take long. Um, he says, wherefore... No, I'm sorry. Uh, verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the, blood, uh, the, blood, the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all to, uh, partakers uh, of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh, are not they which uh, eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? What say I then? That the idol is anything, or uh, that which is offered and sacrificed idols is anything. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of the devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So he ends the chapter in a question. So what he's basically, he's using another analogy. Now he's not using the nation of Israel. He's like, let me give you one other thing to kind of compare to. Because he kind of used what he had done in their life. And then he says, be careful, because you could fall into these things too. And then he kind of boils down even a little closer. And he says, what about in the church? And so he, he uses the reference of, uh, are we... Um, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion with the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break is not the communion with the body of Christ. So when we take the Lord's Supper, is it is the little you know uh, unleavened bread... Do we not look at that as the body of Christ, the perfect body of Christ? And we take the little cup of the unfermented grape, right? Uh, and we take the juice. Is it, we not look at that like it is the, the blood of Christ. Why? Because it's pure. Yes. We do those things. We're a part of those things. We know that the Lord's Supper is uh, provided so that we could, what? Be one with the body. We are basically saying, I'm clean. I don't have anything going on in my life. Uh, I am, uh, I am clean with the body of Christ. Because it says that we're supposed to, uh, every man examine himself, and we actually, uh, I, I take it seriously, and so I don't just think that, you know, if I got something in my life, I'll figure it out. Like, I'm gonna figure it out, or I'm not gonna take the Lord's Supper. That's, that's what it's calling us to do, right? Because, so when we take that, we are basically saying, man, this body, we are together, we are one, uh, and we are ready to have each other's back, because there's nothing going on in our life, because the Bible says that we're gonna, uh, you know, every man examine himself. And so, we do that saying, I am one with the body. And we do that as often as we do it. At HBF, we do it quarterly just because that's how it works out. But anyway, you know, it says as often as you do it. Okay, so he goes on and he says, so there's people that are doing this in the church. He's talking to the Corinthian church. And then he says in verse 18, Behold, Israel after their flesh, are they not which uh, eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? So now he's using an example from the Old Testament. He's like, okay, so we in the New Testament, we have the Lord's Supper. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, did they not, uh, were there not people in the temple that were able to be, you know, if they were sacrificing to God, that was their way of saying, I am one with God. You know, they, that was the sacrificial system. We don't do that now, but in Israel, he's using two pictures. There's the Lord's Supper. In the Old Testament, you know, if they were sacrificing as they ought to be, then that was their way of saying, 
I'm good with God. Don't want any you know, ill will. This is my sacrifice. This is how this works. Okay? Two different examples. I can't find where it's at. Okay, here it is. Uh, verse 19. What say I then? So he's like, what am I talking about? That the, the idol... Uh, he says that the idol is anything or that which is offered to sacrifice in idols is anything. But I say, and I'll answer the question, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. Because he's not talking about the altar of God. He's talking about sacrificing to Baal or to this God or to that God. I've been to places in India or in Nepal, it's just very prominent there, where they do. They sacrifice all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, there's different places in the Bible that talks about uh, uh, the God of Molech. Uh, they they sacrifice their kids to this god. Uh, even until this day, this happens. Uh, and so uh, there, there's a there's a place in Nepal we drove by, and and uh, 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 was like, that's that's not a good temple. Um, even today, that they there's there's some that sacrifice their children to Molech, right? And it's it's absolutely crazy. Uh, and so uh, what I'm saying is like that stuff's in the Bible. It's for real. And he's saying so if these guys are sacrificing to these gods, what are they doing it for? You know, in, on, on one hand, they're coming to the church at Corinth and we're saying, yo, yeah, I'm of the body of Christ. But on the other hand, they're still over here kind of serving this other God. And even if it's just offering meat to this other God, what are you doing here? You're saying I'm a part of this over here, but I'm a part of God over here. And what he's saying is you're talking out of both sides of your mouth and you need to figure it out. That's basically what this whole thing boils down to. And so let me get to the point because I'm running out of time. Here's your second question that you need to ask yourself. What in my life is not like the rest? And I'll get to the point here in a minute, but that's just the question. What in my life is not like the rest? So there's two ways that this can go. You can be completely worldly in your life and everything that you do. There's never any prayer. There's never any Bible. There's never any... But then you come to church on Sunday. That's the outlier in your life. Jesus is the outlier in your life. Everything else in your life, if somebody was to examine your life as a whole, they would be like, that's not like everything else. The way he talks, the way he acts, the way that he thinks, all these things, that doesn't match what he's doing on Sundays. Okay, so but I'm going to assume that you know, if Jesus is the outlier, there's a problem. Okay, so I think, I, but I'm going to assume that since you guys are here on, you know, Sunday morning at nine o'clock, you're not just stumbling in when, when church starts or whatever. You guys are faithful. That that's not the case. So let me get to the point of the other way that this can go. What it is in your life as a Christian that is sold out, that is all about what Jesus is doing, in all aspects of your life. What is it that if somebody was to look at your life as a whole, is not like the rest? Now, I'm going to assume that for the most part, you guys are sold out. You're in the Word. Uh, you are praying. Uh, you're, you're loving the people that you're around. You're, you're ministering God. But maybe there's something. Whatever it is, what is it in your life that's not like the rest? If Jesus is the centerpiece, then the question that you need to really ask yourself is, what am I allowing in my life that's not like everything else? Is it a person? Is it uh, a sin issue? Uh, is it, I don't know. It could be a lot of different things. And I could give you a lot of different examples, but I'm not here, uh, to, to be God. Uh, the Holy Spirit does those things. I'm just saying, if, if somebody, and the, the cool thing is, somebody is, you know, 
Jesus Christ sitting on the right hand of the Father, He is looking at your life every day. The Holy Spirit lives inside you, but He is looking at your life. So if somebody was to look at your life from the outside and say, for the most part, they, they're all sold out for this, but what in there is like, that just doesn't fit. You know, what's the, what, one of these things is not like the other one, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, at some point, it's like, that just doesn't fit. Like, I wouldn't have expected that. Of, of, of you know, everything else points to this, but where does that fit in? Is it is it a person? Is it a thing that you do? Uh, is it, I don't know. I'm just saying. He goes on. He, he uses this big example of like, you guys can't serve two things. You know, it says in the gospel, you can't serve God and mammon, right? You can't serve God and money. You can't. But he's like, you can't be over here taking the Lord's supper and then over here sacrificing to this other God. They, those don't. Those things don't go together. So practically in your life, what is it that like, you you say you're sold out for for Jesus? That's that's what we should be, right? We're not of this world. We're in the world, not of the world. Okay, what is it in your life that people are like, but that still just doesn't quite fit. And I don't know. I'm not here to be the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying I can look at my life and, and all evaluate me. But that's just kind of a question that comes up as you go through this. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord in verse 21 and the cup of devils. That's interesting. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Well, why not? Well, verse 22 just kind of wraps it up. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? That's not a good idea. <laughs> That's not a good idea. That's not a good place to be. So just two questions as we go through this. Like, For one, is God really allowing temptation? He allows it. But go down to the sub-question and like, why is he allowing it in your life? What is it and why? And then the second one, this is really where it kind of like gets close to home. What in your life is not like the rest? And maybe you're like, I can't really think of anything. Well, praise the Lord. I hope that's the case. But be careful. Take heed lest you stumble, lest you fall, because the adversary is always wanting to, to throw things out there. So what is in your life that's like, that just doesn't quite make sense, and I don't really know what to do with it. I can tell you what to do with it. Um, but you can figure that out. All right, so let's pray, uh, and we'll get out of here. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this class, Lord. And uh, they're just they're family to me, uh, and there's just there's so many people that are in and out different weeks just for ministry purposes and everything. So I just pray that you would bless uh, your body uh, here at HBF. I do pray that you would use these things not to like, make us feel terrible about ourselves, but we would really evaluate our life and make sure that we are uh, all in for you uh, in all areas, not just some of them. Uh, Lord, I pray that our jobs line up with uh, the mission of God and the way that we you know live our lives in those things. I pray that our our families and our relationships and all of the things, God, that they they are like. Like you and that you know when people look at us they think man I, I i just want to be like that so that we can be you know a first corinthians 11 1 type of christian where we say follow me as i follow christ uh god i i just pray that's how we are and so lord i do pray as we go into this week um there's a lot of the things happening the people are traveling there's a lot of things going on i pray that we would just be a testimony of you uh that we would just show love uh, the love of you through the way that we just minister to our families uh that we get to spend time with people uh, that you would get the glory for it all uh, and that we would just uh, be joyful and be thankful for what you give us. Uh, it's it's awesome to be thankful for family, but Lord, I'm thankful for you uh, and what you've done in my life, uh, what you've done in my family's life. And so I pray that we would take time to really reflect on those things this week. Uh, send us out this week as, as lights in a pretty dark world. Uh, bless Pastor Brian as he preaches today, that you get the glory in Christ's name. Amen.